Tanya, Parak Gimel, the third chapter. And we begin with a story. The story takes us back to the first generation of Chabad, to the author of the Tanya, who had a very fascinating life. I'm just going to focus on one area of his life, which is that towards the end. And he was alive during the Napoleonic Wars with the Tsar of Russia, which is famously, which is a famous war because that's where Napoleon took a nosedive in his adventures in, uh, in, uh, throughout going and conquering Europe. He was very successful when he came to Russia. He wasn't successful at all. But what's maybe less known in general history, but is very often talked about in Hasidic history, is the Alter Rebbe's involvement in the war. Alter Rebbe was very involved in the war. The reason is because Alter Rebbe absolutely was against, completely, every fiber of his being, against Napoleon. And he chose to side with the Tsar. In opposition, even to his peers, that's the idea, that the Alter Rebbe had many colleagues who were great tzaddikim, tzaddik masters, who were staunchly supporting Napoleon in his endeavors because they saw Napoleon as the great savior, emancipator of the Jews, in which, in fact, he did. He, he abolished the ghettos everywhere he went. He gave equal rights under the law to the Jews, which is unheard of before. But the Alter Rebbe felt that together with with the winds of emancipation is also the winds of emancipation from God, the godly spirit, from, from a belief in Hashem. And he was afraid, and he was rightfully afraid, that this would cause a mass assimilation amongst Jewish people. And therefore, he sided with the Tsar, which is, you can say, very, very wondrous. It's, a, it's an amazing thing, because the Tsar was no friend of the Jews. Tsar was far from friend of the Jews, but for the sake of the continuity of Judaism, the Alter Rebbe actually sided with the Tsar. Now, so much did he get involved in the war, that one of his greatest chassidim, one of his chief disciples, very brilliant man, was dispatched by the Alter Rebbe to be a spy in the French camp on behalf of the Russians. This chassid's name was Moshe Meisel. He was one of the chief disciples of Alter Rebbe. He knew multiple languages. He knew the Talmud, the text of the Torah by heart. He was a very, very composed pers personality, very like, uh, like um, uh, very uh, aristocratic sort of aura around him. Um, and he commanded that respect. Um, and he was a brilliant, brilliant person with a phenomenal memory. Um, and he was an intellectual, mostly. Now, Ramesa Meiselis knew French fluently. And he was dispatched by the Alter Rebbe to aid the Russian army by becoming a spy in the French camp. He somehow infiltrated the French camp and he was promoted um, up the ranks to be an, a battle advisor to the generals, a strategic battle advisor. So in his strategic position, he was able to also glean information of what their next move was going to be, where exactly they were going to uh, head with this war and all the ambushes, and he was able to transmit that information to the Russians, 
and help stem the tide of the battle. Now, as this was happening, Napoleon himself was not just emperor, he was, he was the commander-in-chief who was on the ground. He was one of those kings who was on the ground, so he's very, very much involved in the war. And he started noticing that there, is a, that there, there must be a spy in the camp. There must be. Because every ambush that, that was planned, which was top secret of only the highest members of the of the of the commander class in the army knew about was being was being uh, was being found out. So he realized that there must be in this select group of his top generals and advisors, there must be a rack. Who would he suspect right away? He suspects the Jew, the newcomer, the person who's actually local, who's actually Russian. So Napoleon decides to demonstrate. He decides to find out if this Jew is really a spy and to demonstrate it in front of all his generals with a simple trick. The next time they had a meeting, they're all meeting, and Mitchell Reminds was actually had on his cane. He would etch out notes on his cane or maps of the battlefield on his cane so he could transmit it later. And he's taking these notes and there's a meeting. And Napoleon walks in unannounced. And he heads straight over to Mason Meisner. In front of everyone. And completely unannounced. He points to him and says, you're a spy. And immediately he takes his hand and he puts it on his heart. He puts it on Mason Meisner's heart. And that was going to be, that's Napoleon's version of a lie detective test. When the first slide was us to see if the physical heart rate of the person would change, which it does. Which it does when you're accused of fear. The fear is going to change your heart rate. And he feels his heart. And Moisomitis was composed like a cold stone. Immediately, the suspicion left. Because someone who was not, uh, this accusation was true, would completely, you know, change physically. Moshe Myers didn't. So he dropped the notion and he walked out of the meeting. This story um, was, you know, circulated and the Siddim, after the war, after the Russians won the war, Siddim later on would ask Moshe Myers, how is it possible, how is it humanly possible that you could have kept composure at such a moment? To which Moshe Myers would answer, that it's not a wonder at all. I am a student of the Alter and I've learned my entire life that the mind controls the heart. By nature, the mind controls the heart, and you have to know how to channel that power. And I've learned this my whole life, being a student of the Alter and therefore, at every moment, there's no fear that could come in unless my mind allows it. And my mind did not allow the fear to penetrate. Which is, which is uh, something to say about my surmises. In other words, he actually took this teaching of Al-Tarebbe so much to heart that he was able to implement it even in, in the most difficult of situations. But what this story demonstrates, which is going to be the subject of chapter 3, is that as a foundational concept, the entire Tanya, foundational concept, is that the mind 
and the heart have this relationship where the mind by nature can dominate. In fact, we're going to learn that the heart only really produces authentic emotions, real emotions, I'm talking about internal emotion, only due to the dictates of the mind. We're going to learn that in this chapter. First, where are we up to? Just to recap really quickly, where are we up to? Tanya is a book that teaches us a purpose, not just global purpose, but the purpose of the individual within that global purpose. In order to understand what our purpose is, in order to understand even more importantly how to attain that purpose, we have to know what is expected of the average guy. What is expected of the average individual? So we introduce this concept called Bainini. Bainini is the ideal state of the average individual. We have to understand what this is. In order to understand what a Bainini is, on the quest to understand what a Bainini is, we want to explain what a person. If you understand what a person is, we can understand how there could be different divisions amongst people with the Bainini exactly in the middle. So in our quest to understand what a person is, we said that a person, no matter who they are, has two souls. Every Jew has two souls. And we describe that there's the animal soul, which is your natural disposition. And then we describe that there is a godly soul. And chapters 2, 3, 4, and 5 are going to explain and explore the godly soul. In chapter 2, we explain the essence of the godly soul. In chapter 3, we're going to explain the build of the godly soul. And then in 4 and 5, we're going to explain the garments or the behaviors, the behaviors of the godly soul. So there's... Tanya actually describes the godly soul in three main areas. The essence, the build, or another term could be the personality. It's personality, okay? The immutable personality, unchangeable. And then the behaviors which are immutable. So right now in chapter three, we're going to explain the build of the godly soul. Now, um, I want to just preface by stating the following. We learned last class, we opened up a Chumash, we learned the creation story, and we learned that there's actually a few terminologies used, very key terminology used in the creation story when it comes to creating the person. So when it came to chapter two, what did we say? We said the very fact that Hashem blew a soul into the person demonstrates to us that just like blowing comes from the person's essence, our essence of the godly soul is actually from the essence of God. It's a part of God. But then there was a other terminology that I pointed out, which we're going to focus in on this chapter. When God wants to create man, what does he say? He turns to the angels, as we learned, and he said, let us create man, like our image and our likeness. Like our image and our likeness. So these two terms is selam and dmut. Dmut means likeness and selam means the best word we can use is, is image. So, a preface of a very important concept. I'm going to give you a very good definition of the of of Chassidus in its entirety. Okay, Chassidus, the the, the the learning of Chassidus, the teachings of Chassidus, can all be traced, can all be built on two verses. Okay. One is the verse I just quoted. Nasa Adam Bitsalmenu. God wants to make man in his image. The other verse, which is from the prophet, from the prophet, is Mibsari from my flesh. Ephazar 
I perceive elika godliness. Okay, God says, I want to make man like my image. And we turn around and say, from my own image, I can understand God. What does that tell me? That tells me that because man is created in the image of God, so two things can happen. And the entire synthesis is telling me either one or second, either the first or second, which is either understand God. If you understand God very well, you'll understand yourself. Or understand yourself. If you understand yourself very well, you can understand God. It works both ways because man, his soul, is created in the likeness of God. So every single Hasidic thought. Okay, what's Hasidic? Hasidic is Godology. Okay? Hasidic is Godology. It's the study of Hashem. And the, and the reason why we're studying Hashem is because in order to have a connection with Hashem or to reveal that innate connection we have in our own soul, the best way to do it, as we're going to learn in the Tanya, is through the mind, through studying about Hashem, and that arouses feelings, and you're able to connect with Hashem, okay? But the study of Siddhis is basically a study of Hashem. So there's two ways it's usually done. It's usually done that we learn about the person. Siddhis teaches you about the build of the person, about the emotions of the person, about how the, what makes a person take, what makes a person, about relationships. We can learn a lot about people, and that gives us an insight of God. Or you could also learn about God. It gives us an insight about ourselves as well. Either way, we need that in order to connect with Hashem. We need, our, no, we need to understand Hashem as best as possible to connect with Him. We also need to understand ourselves how to connect with Him. And, the, and, and either way, if you learn about yourself, you learn about God automatically. You learn about God, you learn about yourself because we are literally built in the image of God. Okay? So before we get to understanding, which chapter 3 is going to do, it's going to explain to us a little bit about God, which we can then understand ourselves. Before we get to that, a few key words, words to define. First word is truth. Truth is objectivity. Truth is something that has to, that has to stand no matter what the circumstance. No matter what the, no matter where we find ourselves, it has to always remain the same. And that's true. The next word, relevant. Relevance is actually the flip side of truth. It's sub subjectivity. Relevance makes something personal. When you say you want to make you want to make it relevant to someone, you want to make it personal. You want someone to care to make it relevant. T R A D I T I O. This show means betrayal. To betray. To betray. But, but listen to another Latin word. Listen to another Latin word. Translatio. T R A S. L-A-T-I-O. What does that mean? It's very similar in English. Translate. Translate. One might point out over here that the word translate and the word betrayal actually come from the same same roots. Same roots. Which is a phenomenal thing. I want you to think about this. Because to translate something means you're transferring you're transferring content from one framework, which is a language, to another framework because of language. You want to transfer this idea. But at the same time, as you're transferring it, you're also betraying. Because every translation which opens up the gates of understanding, you lose something. It's a betrayal. Isn't that interesting? Now, I want you to keep this in mind. Because as we now embark on, this, on the following Kabbalistic terms, the understanding different elements in God, 
you have to rec realize you have to realize that any translation of these words is by nature a betrayal. It's a betrayal. So we're gonna try and, and we're gonna try and explain it in English. But I know that these words are translated in many books, but the translation does not do justice at all. Definitely because these Hebrew words are very are very um they're they're these these words encapsulate big ideas. So it's very hard to translate big ideas in one word. But also because we're talking about God, and so the 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 the, the Hebrew word itself doesn't encapsulate the idea so much, let alone the translation of the Hebrew word. Okay, so let's get to it. So before we talk about the soul of the person, let's talk about God. Okay, if you turn your the, the other side of your search sheet, you see that we have the Kabbalistic map. The Kabbalistic map is very very famous, right? It's all over the internet. And this has been, for lack of a better word, stolen. <laughs> and uh, a lot of uh, discipline and a lot of organizations claim to teach and promote Kabbalah. And they use this map. What's interesting is, is that the map is pretty true in itself. It's what it, what it conveys, its explanation. You have to be very careful because the question is where you're getting your sources from. But this imagery of this map, which is the ten sephiros, okay, it's called the ten sephiros, so the ten levels, is actually a very, very authentic map. This is how it is actually explained in Kabbalah. So before I get to the map, let me get to the actual term. Okay, this is Kabbalah 101. We're going to get to the actual terms. Um, you have it on your the front side of your source sheet, and here are the ten levels and attributes, ten attributes of God. What does it mean that God has attributes? So let me explain to you a Hasidic concept. A Hasidic concept is called, you can write this down, Seder Hishtal Sholos. A very hard word. You don't have to you don't have to remember the word, I'll just tell you what it is. It Seder Hishtal Sholos is the order um the order of descending energy, okay? When God created the world and God creates the world on a constant basis, because Hashem is completely, absolutely unlimited, completely, absolutely unlimited, and the creation by definition is finite. So in order for the creation process to happen, there has to be some sort of chain reaction of events that gets the godly energy of creation to become more finite and more finite and more finite in order for the creation to happen, okay? But in essence, you should realize that this entire structure, the structure, the model, this entire structure is nothing more than a logical framework for understanding how that energy of God descends down to the world, okay? It's a logical framework. And therefore, no matter how much you're going to understand, you're still going to be missing the behind the scenes how it really works, okay? This is just human terminology to grasp. It's giving us an, a, a, a graspable, the grasp, the ability to grasp how the creation process works. The ability to grasp, and as we're going to see, this structure also plays out in many other areas, especially our own soul. So a lot of relevance to this structure. But in terms of understanding it by God, it's not, it, 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 it's, it's, it's in, it's primarily a logical 
structure that we as humans can understand how the process works. Okay? The, how the process really works behind the scenes, we cannot understand how God create how God creates. But in order to give us a little bit of a framework, so Hashem has this thing called Seder Shalshus, the order of descending energy. And Seder Shalshus is basically comprised primarily of these 10 levels. There's many other aspects to it. We're not going to get to it in this class. We're just going to focus on these 10 levels. This model, which makes up this map, is a structure. It's a, it's a scalable structure. In other words, and there's many, many levels and spiritual realms that Kabbalah discusses. And these 10 levels find themselves in all the realms. Okay? So you can have the, the, the they, they come as a unit. These 10 levels come as a unit. And they, and, and in many different levels of the spiritual world, they are the, 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 the essential building blocks of all these levels. And it's going to work on our, and it's going to work that way in our souls as well. We're going to learn that our soul has many levels. Each of the levels has 10 levels. It's made up of 10. Okay. In fact, each of these 10 is made up of 10. So number one is made up of 10. If you look at number one is Chachmah, then two is Bina, then three is Das, etc. We'll get through all of them. But Chachmah itself is built off of Chachmah, Bina, Das within it. It's almost like it's almost like when you have numbers, you have one, two, three, four, five, and then you have one A, one B, one C, one D, right? So I'm just giving you um, that you should understand that the structure we're about to discuss is a model, it's a scalable model. It's a model that's found in every single, it's embedded in every single spiritual structure. It's the structure that makes up every single spiritual level. Okay, so let's get to understanding levels very quickly. Let's begin. I'm 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 going to start uh, um, on this side, not on the map. I'm, I'm going to show. I'm going to show. I'm gonna, first, I'm going to define the terms. Then we'll get to the map and how they interact with each other. Okay. So let's first uh, define the terms. So the first one, the highest level, the first level is Tzachma. Tzachma is usually translated as wisdom, but as I mentioned, translation is a betrayal. Wisdom does not do justice to what Chachma is at all. I'm going to try to give other words and with other words of association. If you bunch all these words together, maybe we get a little bit of understanding of what Chachma is. Chachma could mean insight. It could mean creativity. It could mean in tune. A spark. Okay, what's Chachma? Chachma is actually a Hebrew word which is made up of two Hebrew words put together. Koyach Ma. Koyat means potential or power or power potential. Ma means what? Ma means what? So the word in Hebrew of ma, what, indicates like lack of definition, right? Because you're, it's, 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 it's an inquiry. What? What is it? Right? Lack of direct definition. So the potential of what? Koyat, ma, which means chachma, is that cognitive ability, right? The highest point within your mental abilities that sparks an idea, the spark of creativity, the initial spark, the initial aloof. You know, people who are artists or are very much in, live in a creative mind, they understand chachma a lot because they're 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 they're, they're always like they're always having this ebb of energy from somewhere above them that's flowing down that gives us gives them that inspiration. It's like a mental inspiration. Okay? That's what Chachma is. It's a spark. It's a spark. The second one, which is also a mental ability, is Bina. 
Bina is usually translated as understanding. But again, it betrays a bit. It doesn't fully do justice to what Bina is. Bina comes from the Hebrew word bone, which means to build. Binyan means a building. Bone. So Bina and Bona, same root, because they are the same idea. I'll give you a few words to associate. Bina can mean structure, can mean logic, can mean calculate, can be build, explain. Bina is that mental ability to take a spark and to flesh it out deeply, widely, to flesh it out, to explain it. Gives it to give a logical structure, to give it a building, give it a, a give it a give it a building, give it a structure, right? So it 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 builds the idea into something that is transmissible, that is that that that's transferable, right? Right? It takes this aloof spark, right, and fleshes it out, and fleshes it out, and fleshes it out, so that it can actually stand logically. Chachamar is not logical. Chachamar is more creative as that which doesn't necessarily have to be in the realm of logic. Bina, right, is logic, right? And therefore, Chachamar is fiery. Bina is cold collected, okay? That's what Bina is. So this actually explains that Bina has three general, general parts to it. There's something called Roychav, which means with. With means like how, how many... How much explanation can you give to it? How many elements can you extract from this idea, right? And categorize them. That's where it comes with. Then there's oymek, um, which means depth. Depth, that means even when you categorize, you still have also an ability to deepen an understanding, concrete, give concrete to each element. Then there's something called oyref, which means length, which means how can you articulate it to another? Okay, and that's all in Bina. Articulation is also Bina. Chachma, you can't articulate. It's that creative where you can't articulate. It's the moment when you say, ah, and then you're quiet. And the person across from you is trying to understand, you said, ah, that means you have something to say. That means you have that something came to you, an idea came to you, a solution came to you, right? Chachma is that, is that first time you have a solution, but then you have to think for a second in order to, how, how does that solution actually work? You knew that there's an issue. Now you have got a solution, but you need to, Take that moment to think of how that idea actually solves your problem, right? That's Bina. That moment is on. Yeah, that's Bina. Your, your mind's working, giving it a build. Then the third is called Da. Das is usually translated as knowledge. But here, it's probably the biggest betrayal of all, this translation. Das is more connection or endurance. Okay, as Chassidus explains, it is that element within your brain that connects what's in here to what's down here. It connects it to the heart and connects it to the action. Okay, the the Chochmah and Bina are like that intellectual who has the greatest ideas and never actually comes to fruition, right? Because you need that connecting piece. It connects. Now, Chachma and Bina could breed, as we're going to explain, could breed emotions. When you have a, 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 an idea and then you flesh it out, you could have emotions, but those emotions are not enduring. If you want yourself 
if you want the idea that you yourself have contemplated and thought to change your life, to actually change you, if you want your thoughts to change you, you need Das. Das is that connection. Okay? Then there's the fourth one is Chesed. Chesed is usually translated as kindness or loving kindness. Again, this translation is a bit of a betrayal. It's a lot more than just kindness. Chesed is closeness. Bond, giving, or flow, letting forth. That whole motion is called chesed. Then there's givura, which is the fifth one. Givura is actually the opposite of chesed, right? The words I could give you for givura usually givura is the translation translated as severity, which is also a betrayal. Givura is discipline, respect, distance, calculate, also strength. Okay. It's a check and balance on hasid to 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 a large degree. Okay, that's gvura. All those things are associated with gvura. The sixth one is tiferes. Tiferes is usually translated as beauty, but beauty is again a big betrayal for what tiferes is. It's only a bit of what tiferes is. Tiferes is convergence or harmonize. Okay, the harmonization, the, the synthesis between the balance. Right, that's what the version now happens to be when you have balance and synthesis. That that's beautiful. That's beauty. Okay, so it's not beauty is a an associated word, but that's what the Ferris really means. Netzach is usually translated as as victory or the feeling of a victory. How do you say this? Netzach. Netzach is usually translated as victory. Um, it's conquer or forthright. A step forward. Confidence. That's Netzach. Haid is usually translated as splendor. But it's a lot more than that. It is stubbornness. It's to gauge. Maybe even instinct. Could be Haid. Yisaid is translated as foundation. But it's, it means... Connectivity, commonality, trust, connection with another. And then Malchus, which is translated as kingship, is really, well, kingship uh, doesn't do justice to what Malchus is. It's a lot more than just that. Let me give you some words. Action, terrain, otherness, or to be a vessel. Okay, so now, now, as you notice, each of these, each of these words contain a lot to them, contain a lot to them. But let me give you a little bit of an understanding how they interact with each other. And that's where the map comes in. We're still talking about God and the level of attributes of God. We'll get to a person and how they reflect on a person. Okay. You see this map, you realize that these sephirites or these levels are more of a galaxy than a hierarchy. Okay, they don't work necessarily in a in a hierarchy from the top level to the bottom level. They are in a hierarchy in the following way. The higher the level, the less defined and the more it's in tune 
with its godly source. Okay? The lower the level, the more defined it is. And by nature, the more removed it is from its godly source. And that's the interaction, that's the chain reaction that we need for the flow of energy. As we get lower and lower and lower to create, why are we saying lower and lower? Right? There's by God, there's no up and down. Lo higher and lower by God, it just denotes more closer to the godly energy and less defined, more open, more godly conscious, or less godly conscious. And in order to create, we have to get less and less so in order to create. Okay. But besides for this, besides for that definition to create that hierarchy, the way they interact with each other is more like a galaxy. As you see the map in front of you. Generally speaking, there are three columns. There's the right column, there's the left column, and there's the middle column. That's generally speaking, okay? The right column is to one extreme, the left column is to another extreme, and the middle column is the convergence of both. If you recall, in the background of the timer, we described extensively that everything in this world, everything in creation, is built on opposites. Right, and the reason why everything is built on opposites—we have day and night, good and bad, and a woman, um, 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 uh, growth and structure. Right, and everything has its has the opposite. The reason why it's like that is because God has two general energies, two general powers: the power of unlimitedness and the power of limitedness. And we explained that the power of unlimitedness and the power of limitedness are actually equal powers. To God, who stands before all creation, so the power to 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 go forth and the power to hold back are equally are equally on equal kill. Now, this plays out in the spheres as well. Okay, the right side, Chosma, which is the first level we described, right, which is that, that cognitive creative spark, Chesed, which is the, the which is the, the flow to give the kindness. And Netzach, which is the conquer, the step forward, right? That that ultimately they are all they all have a commonality. What's the commonality? The commonality is is that they flow forth. This is the manifestation of God's power of unlimitedness. The the godly energy is flowing forth. On the left side, you have the exact opposite. You have Bina, which is we explain the logical structure build of the brain, right? Fleshing out an idea. By nature, when you rush out an idea, you have to, you have to cut and categorize. What do you do when you categorize? You say you're not here, you're there. You're not here, there, you're here. By nature, you're already taking the 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 the, the, the creative flow and you're giving it a structure. Gvura, which is the opposite of Chesed, we explained is discipline, respect, distance, right? That has a commonality with Bina. Hoid, which is stubbornness. Right, as we explain stubbornness or to gauge, right? To to, to 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 you know, to gauge what's in front of you. That is all that all has a commonality of structure holding back. These are the manifestation of Hashem's limitedness. And his unlimitedness and limitedness come together to play, they all both play a part in the creation story. And where they play a part is the middle call, the conversion. As you'll notice, Das is all about connectivity, right? Connecting the energy so that it has endurance. Tiferes is about synthesis. Yisaid is also an element of connection, connection to the other, right? And then Malchus, which is actual action. These are all the, 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 
the middle path, the middle path have, has that energy to bring from the two extremes to a, to a synthesis in the middle. Okay. Where do they get this power from? This high power to bring a synthesis in the middle, which by the way, as we explain, what's the purpose of creation? Purpose of creation is to take the opposites and converge them, right? To find that element that makes them not opposites at all, right? What Tiferes is in play, for example, and it takes the energy of Chesed and Gvura from both sides. It's not that it balances between the two and finds the coexistence. Tiferes makes a whole new energy out of the two opposites. He finds within the two opposites a commonality, finds that a whole new energy. Where do they get that power from? They get it from Kesser, which is the crown. Kesser is like the subconscious, which is above even Chachma, right? Is that in, and the Kesser in Kabbalah is that there's the source of it all. The source of all these energy is the source of it all, but it manifests, it manifests in, a, in a more tangible way in the middle column, in all the elements of the middle column, including all the way down from all. Okay? So this is the math of God. Now, I want you to remember this one thing. When we say Chachamah, being not das by God, we don't mean the wisdom, creativity, spark in God, right? Because God cannot be defined by these terms, right? It's just the best way that we humans can understand that element in the sky, not literally sky, right? In the spiritual realm. That element in the spiritual realms of Chachamah, how can I best explain it? I use all this humanistic terminology to explain it. Not by, should we, should, we should never think that God has wisdom, chachma, or creativity as we have it. Don't try to impose, right, what you understand in yourself as creativity onto God. But as, 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 as one of my teachers best put it, right, what chachma is, is that it's saying that this level is definitely not binar, definitely not das, definitely not all the other spheres, definitely not all the other levels. I can't tell you that, I can't tell you positively, positively what Chachma is, right? But when I say that it's Chachma, what I'm really saying, it's not everything else. And that's the best way to define it, okay? So just, we should understand that these are human terms, but they, they, they give us an understanding and insight into what that level is by God, even though we cannot really compare, we cannot superimpose our understanding onto God, okay? So remember that. Now, let's get back to the soul. Let's, let's, let's make this whole thing relevant to us. Let's go back to the soul. The Tanya teaches that the personality of the soul, when Hashem created the person, He created in our image, right? He created the soul also at 10 levels. And these 10 levels reflect our learning exactly to the 10 levels of our eye, of God. So our soul also at 10 levels. So as the Tanya explained that the soul of a person really have five different components. And these five different components very quickly are called nefesh, ruach, neshama, chayah, chida. We're not going to get into them. But the point is that these five different components are the build of the godly soul. And each one of them has ten spheres, ten levels. You have chachma of nefesh, chachma of neshama, for example. Each one of these levels have ten sub-levels inside of them which reflect the ten levels up behind. Okay? So we also have something called Heser, which in human terms, I'll just give you, is the, is, is, is the will. 
the will of a person, which encompasses all, everything else. We, we too have Chachmah, which is, as you said, creativity, the spark. We too have Bina, the logical structure, the ability to give structure. We too have Das, which is connectivity. We too have Chesed, which is the emotion to, to give, to flow, to, 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 to that kindness. We too have Mura, which is discipline and respect. We too have deferred, which is the synthesis between them. We too have netzav. We too have all you discern the muscles. We also have them. And they manifest in real, actual emotions, attributes, personality, traits of a person. And these manifestations in the actual physical person can be traced back to that component in the soul, which in turn is aligned to that component up on heaven, up, up, up by, by Hashem. Okay? So it's all aligned up. So only personality trait or characteristic of a person, I can tell you it's coming from one of these 10, 10, uh, 10 areas. Okay? One of these 10 levels. Now, you've seen the map. You see how there's, 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 there's three pillars. But the point of chapter 3 is going to give you a little bit of a different focus on this. It's going to split this entire map into three but in a different way, okay? It's going to show us that there's Chachma, Bina, Das, that's one category. Then there's Chesed, Gvura, Tiferes, Netzach, that's another category. Malchus is, is a different, okay? One of these three categories, very simple, okay? Chachma, Bina, Das, those are the mental capabilities. Those are the elements of the soul which manifest in the mind. The other six or seven, the Malchus is sometimes in this category, sometimes not. But in general, the other ones in general are what manifest in the heart. They're emotion. They're emotional. They're emotional. Now, the mind and the heart, here is the key of this chapter. And this chapter is placed in the beginning of Tanya, not by accident, because this chapter is actually a foundation for the rest of the book in the following way. Your mind and your heart are the two elements within you, which the dynamic between them is most central to when it comes to actually applying the ideas of time. Because the ideas of time is going to be like this, right? We're going to learn about the soul. We're going to learn about the battle, the internal struggle. We're going to learn all about that. And then Tanya is going to give you a bunch of programs of mental exercises on how, what and how to contemplate in order to arouse a feeling which will open up your soul and its connection with Hashem, the innate connection with Hashem within. And this is going to happen time and again. The idea is as follows. The mind triggers the emotion. The emotion then brings to action, then brings to, to, the, to the openness within the soul. And that dynamic between mind and, and heart is a foundational dynamic which will play out in all areas. Okay, because that is a foundational dynamic in general with a person. You have a mind and heart. Both of them are equally, equally important. They're equally in importance. They're both equal. You know why? Because the mind seeks truth. Truth, the, object, the objectivity of truth is, 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 is obviously paramount. You cannot go anywhere without truth. You, can't, you have to actually have the idea. The idea has to be tested. The idea has to endure. The idea has to be true. But then you also need relevance. You also need to make it personal. If you just have the idea, the truth in your mind, you don't make it personal, you won't go anywhere either. And the heart is what makes it relevant, what makes it personal. 
And both of them, so both of them are, are important. Both of them are key. The, the only thing you should remember is that the mind controls the heart. And the emotions are a, are a, a, a reflection of what happens in the mind. Okay? So now, let's go to our source sheet and see how the Tanya actually explains this. The first, the first, um, um, the first quote over here from chapter three. The three attributes, the three intellectual faculties called Khafaminadas, Nikru are called Emois, they're called mothers. Umaka Lemidas and the source of Lemidas. Why are they called mothers? Because just like a mother births a child, so too the intellectual faculties birth the emotional faculties. Kihamidais. Because the emotional faculties and told this they are the children of Chachamidah. Your intellectual, if, if your intellectual capacities are actually working as they should, you have the spark and you build it logically and you seek truth and you have the structure. And then you have Das, which is making, which, which bridges the idea to you, to your personality. Then you will what will come out of it? It will come out of an emotion. Okay? So the Tanya actually tells us, gives us an actual demonstration. Let me demonstrate how this works. Well, absolutely. Next quote. I say, the intellect in the rational soul, which is the faculty that conceives everything, is called which is the potentiality of what, as we explain. Now, that's Kothma. What happens next? And when the potential comes down to actuality, he pondered, he contemplates in his intellect to understand what just sparked in his mind. He understands it profoundly, and he and he understands it, and he understands it to its depth. from the spark, right? He gives a logical application and a structure and a contemplation to the spark that came into his mind, which is in his mind. That's called Bina. So it goes from Chachma down to Bina. What happens? What, what's what Das? The third one. Bahadas. What is Das? When Malashen it is the etymology, it's the term that we find also in partial voracious. Adam Yaldas Hava. Adam knew Eve. What does it mean, knew Eve? Right? He had a relation with her. So why do we call it Yada? Why do we call it Das? Because what's Das? Das knowledge is, again, knowledge is a betrayal in translation. Das really means connect. He connected her, Hava. On the deepest way. Das is connectivity on the deepest way. It is a term that means attachment and union. What is, what, how does Das actually manifest in the, when it comes to the mind and the heart? It connects the mind. The Kesher Amits with a very strong connection. The Chazak Ma'id. An extremely, extremely durable, very, very strong bond. Let's go to the next quote. Because if he doesn't connect his mind, 
using his bras. And he firmly, with perseverance, with perseverance, he pushes his mind and applies it to his heart. He's not going to be able to have either love or fear, which are emotions. He's not going to be able to have them in, he's not going to be able to have them truly. Not, they're not going to be able to endure. They'll only be vain fancies. Okay? So the Chosmer is like the father, like the spark. The bean is like the mother, right? The nine months of, of building. And the das is what gives it endurance. So the chachma bina are things that are happening at every moment within a person. At least chachma is happening a lot, which, uh, you know, subconsciously. If you're watching a movie, you're not going to have too much bina, right? You're going to get a lot of creativity coming at you, but in order to catch it and give it a build, give it a structure, you have to have bina. So chachma and bina happen all the time. Das is a little bit harder. Das is where you is where you want that chachma and bina to actually affect your life. Right? Not just in a fleeting moment. Because Kakla Mina could affect life in a fleeting moment. You have a great idea, you get very excited, you get very passionate. From the idea can make you very passionate. But in order for it to be enduring, in order for it to actually cause change within you, you have to have that such that that's the connectivity. Okay? So this is the idea of chapter three. That just like this works up on high, that there's a hierarchy of the three top levels which breed the seven lower levels, same too in the godly soul person. There's the three top levels which manifest in the mind. And then there's the seven lower levels which, which, um, which, uh, which play out in the heart. And the mind has the ability to can steer the hand. Why? Because the emotions that you feel. Now, we're not talking about um, uh, impulse emotions or someone that comes and scares you so you have an emotion. That, 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 that doesn't have to come necessarily from your brain. It go, comes through your brain because if your brain doesn't process it, you don't get scared. So it comes through your brain. But it, 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 it's mostly not felt through your brain. It passes through very quickly. But and we're talking about an emotion that you yourself breathe, and in order to breathe an emotion, in order to have to have that that uh, that 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 change within your heart, that comes from your brain. And the more you contemplate it, and the more you spend time on it, and the more you ponder on it, and the more you focus on it, how much more is that going to be felt when it comes into an emotion? That's the idea. Now, just parenthetically, Chabad. What is Chabad? Chabad is an acronym for Chachmok Binar Das. It's an actual acronym for these, for these levels. Why is Chabad called Chabad? Right? What's Chabad? We know Chabad is a movement. Right? Chabad is Chabad is a movement. It's a learning. What is Chabad? So at its core, Chabad is an idea. Okay. At its core, Chabad is an idea. It's a full. It's it's, it's a it's a deep philosophy. It's it's it's, it's the philosophy also is a betrayal. It doesn't do justice to what, to what Chabad is. But Chabad is trying to teach the world something at, at its core. Okay, We fundamentally believe that if we have the world to think in a certain way, we will. that's the best way to transform the world. Now we're talking about the general world, we're talking about also the specific world. Any person, if you want a person to be closer to Hashem, if you want a person to change over his behavior, if you want a person to be to, to, to develop, to grow, right? Chabad thought teaches that all starts in your mind. And therefore, the Chabad Rebbe had a distinct strain of Chassidus, which gave prominence to contemplation, learning, and, and meditation, right? They, 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 the Chabad Rebbe taught a tremendous amount of Torah, Chassidus. Why? Because it all comes back to this idea that if the Chassid is going to take this tremendous flow of Chassidus, and he's going to contemplate on it. He's going to fill his mind 
he will then change. His person will then change. It doesn't give that much prominence on inspiration because people can change from inspiration, but it's a little bit fleeting, right? In order to really change, if you want yourself to change, not of impulse, but to really change, it has to come to the mind. Your mind is the tool that can really change you because everything starts from there as we learn in this parrot. That is why Chabad is called Chabad. And this, I just want to, um, I just want to state one more time, it's going to become a major, major foundational idea throughout China. That it all begins in the mind and we are going to have, we're going to go on this quest. We're going to want to understand we're going to want to understand what is it that we should think? What is it that we should ponder? What is it that we should contemplate in order to change ourselves? That's going to be the quest. The quest is not inspiration. The quest is not going to be for inspiration. The quest is going to be, give me an idea. Give me an idea to contemplate. One great idea to contemplate. And in fact, that's what we're doing right now. In fact, that's what we're doing right now in this class. Even before we got beat into Latanya. What we're doing is, we're taking ideas that the Alter Rebbe put into Tanya, right? And, and primarily what we're doing is we're filling our mind with these ideas. We want these ideas to be in our mind. We want to think about it. We want to contemplate it. We want to spend time on it. Right? We want, it to, we want the, these ideas to take over our chachma, right? Creativity not necessarily has to start from within. It could be from without, right? Someone gives you an idea. We want to take that idea. We want to build on it. We, like, we, want, we, want, we want to try to articulate it. And then we want to try to apply it. And that is the entire goal of the time. That's exactly what we're doing here. So that concludes the personality, the structure of the godly soul. Okay? So now just uh, my three reflections from this class, right? Um, how these ideas affect my relationship with Hashem, my relationship with others, and my relationship with myself. So firstly, my relationship with Hashem, what I personally, um, what I personally learned, is that it is, it is very important to very often delve my mind into chassidah, into these ideas. Because, as, as we learned, we are a reflection of Hashem. We're made in His image, right? And so, by understanding more and more what Hashem, what the makeup of Hashem is, we understand more and more ourselves. The best way to understand myself is to understand Hashem. Okay, so delving myself as much as I can and contemplating in the ideas of this is the best way to connect to Asha. Okay, that gives that, that that's for that thing. Now, in relationship with others, um, this idea of the mind controls the heart. The mind has the dominance. The mind has the keys in the mind. Teaches me a lesson in when I want to influence someone else. Okay. You want to speak to the person's mind first and foremost. If you really want to influence someone, you want to implant an idea by them, which they themselves will then they will flower in their own mind and they'll take off. But more than anything, more than inspiration, is an idea. If I can implant an idea, that is a can best influence a person, and and that 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 that, that comes with it with a, with a, with a with a with a dose of calmness, a dose of you know. Sometimes you can influence someone with just a calm, collected, logical idea, which, which is usually not seen as like a, a way to have a relationship, right? That can then flower into an emotion on their end, and that could really influence them. Now, in relationship with myself, um, as I said before, so this tells me a lot about myself. And if I want to have inner peace, 
if I want to understand what's happening inside. And people are very complicated. We're all very complicated. We're all very, very complicated and no one's alike. But instead of running off to Google, running off to psychology books, I can find a lot of insight. And maybe with the help of a teacher or the help of a guide from Chassidus, from Torah. Chassidus explains to us the build, the building block, the ideas of what God is, and we are a reflection of that. The best way to understand myself is by learning Chassidus.